Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. All right, good morning, everyone. We are live from New York City as Good Morning New York gets underway on this Tuesday morning. At this hour, the idea of board packager came to a New York City real estate agent as he was standing over a copier at 10 p.m. one evening, making eight copies of a 500-page application. Ouch, that hurts. Uh, Board package, his first, actually. He thought that with all the advances in file-sharing technology, there had to be an easier way to digitally compete and sign an application, get supporting documentation from clients, pay all the fees online, and electronically submit. So after he hand-delivered the 4,000 pages to the property management company, he called a friend who knew a developer with a partnership formed. Board Packager was uh, born. The founder, James Bruni from Douglas Element, is here today, and he's going to explain its purpose and talk about uh, its merits. Also at this hour, Jamie Heiberger is here. She is a real estate closing attorney. Among her many other roles, she drafts and negotiates contracts, conducts due diligence and closings for buyers and sellers, of individual cooperatives and condominium apartments, both for resale and also in new development. She also gets involved in single, multifamily, and commercial properties. We'll get to know Jamie a little better in this hour, but first I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. I'm Vince Rocco, and you are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate. In the news this morning, on the heels of a record-breaking $238 million condo sale in Manhattan, lawmakers voiced their support last Monday for a so-called pied-à-terre tax on multi-million dollar homes. During budget talks in the state capitol, both Mayor Bill de Blasio and City Council uh, Speaker Corey Johnson said they support an additional tax on secondary homes valued over $5 million in New York City, throwing their weight behind a five-year-old bill proposal that is attracting new and renewed interest amid the blockbuster sale. I believe that million dollar uh, millionaires and billionaires are not being taxed at a high enough level, <clears throat> says Mr. de Blasio. He added that the Pieter plan was consistent with his other tax proposals, which include a so-called millionaire's tax on individuals with an income over $500,000 to raise funds to improve the city's decrepit subway system. The Pieter tax would be an annual charge on any apartment or house in the city over $5 million that serves only as a secondary residence for the owner. I'm sorry, I'm laughing because we are three for three lately with uh, everybody putting their hands in our pockets, for right? God's sake. Back off, please. It's unbelievable. Back unbelievable. off. What is going on with this city and trying to... It's hard out there for a broker. Put, business, uh, put brokers out of business. It's crazy, Right. Oh, yes, I do. Yeah, yeah says the girl yes, who's in Florida that. full time. <laughs> it's hot out there for a broker. <laughs> I'm here. Hello. She's back. Uh, that's Six Tracy months and one day. <laughs> in a few minutes. I'm not that clever. As I said, Jamie Heiberger is here. She is widely recognized as a leading female attorney in the greater New York City real estate industry, having achieved unprecedented success while she was still in her mid-30s. The success derives from her ability to simultaneously think like a business person and also as a lawyer. Born and raised in Jericho, New York, her interest in the legal intricacies of the real estate market began at an early age. In 1990, after graduating with honors from the University of Michigan with a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science, she attended Brooklyn Law School, where she earned her Juris Doctorate in 1993. She was admitted to the bar in New York in 1994. In 1996, at just 27 years old, having developed a strong passion for commercial and residential real estate, Jamie embraced the challenge of striking out on her own. That year, she founded Heiberger & Associates, a real estate law firm focusing on two major areas. The first one, representation of commercial and residential building owners and management companies in all landlord-tenant legal needs. And number two, representation of lenders, purchasers, and sellers of multifamily properties, as well as individual cooperative and condominium units, founding her firm uh, on the fundamental principle that in both business and life, the ability to quickly assimilate and act on new information is essential to growth. Jamie has expanded Heiberger and Associates over the last decade into a full-service real estate litigation and transactional law firm. Good morning. Morning. Thank you for having me today, Vince. Thank you for coming. It's a pleasure to meet you. And I can see now that I know you, uh, reading this bio, it all fits. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you very totally much. Totally makes sense. So, welcome. 
So let's get into it. Buyers in New York City conduct a series of choices, okay? What, do I want a co-op? Do I want a condo? Is it a high-rise, a walk-up, a second bathroom, a half bath, whatever? Uh, steps from the subway. But there seems to be a consensus on at least one decision, whether to hire a real estate lawyer or not. In some, in some states in this union, we do not need attorneys. In New York City, of course, we do, thankfully. In New York, unlike most places in the United States, it's customary for buyers to seek the representation of an attorney throughout the purchasing process, although this is not a legal requirement, per se. Uh, some longtime real estate agents say they have never witnessed a deal completed without the buyers having an attorney on hand. The deal and the transaction, simple tips to make every deal run smoothly, and even though there's probably going to be bumps in the road, we uh, want to make sure that we minimize as many bumps as we can by working with an attorney. So, Jamie, tell us a little bit about the transaction from your perspective. Uh, again, it's not a legal requirement, but yet we do like to have legal representation because it keeps us whole. Tell us a little bit about, from your perspective um, about as you see it. Absolutely. Uh, thanks, Vince, by the way, uh, for that nice introduction. Uh, so the interesting part about New York real estate is that the the lawyer actually does just about everything as far as the due diligence on the transaction. Once the deal comes to the attorney, the broker obviously has already found the, the great place and certain homework's been done. But now it's really up to me. The same. I always start off my conversations with clients telling them, you already love the place, so I'm not here to find out and tell you everything that's great about it. I'm here to tell you what's wrong with it. And interestingly enough, we're the ones that discover all of this, whether it's behind the scenes with the city agencies, uh, the Department of Buildings, HPD, finding out what was or was not presented to the board and done properly. Yet, it, ironically enough, we're the ones that probably get paid least on the deal and probably have the most important role as far as ensuring that the clients aren't buying a property that is going to have a leak, have uh, be under litigation, any reason that could prevent them from either, whether it's a cash buyer or financing, but being able to go forward, not just in this purchase, but looking at it as a resale property as well. So I think that there's probably, and, and it, it's hard for me to be objective in this regard or be seen as being objective because I'm sitting in the seat of the lawyer, but at the same token, it is such an important role and one that I think gets minimized, not by the real estate brokers for sure, but maybe by the community at large, like the buyers and sellers, because people, one of the first questions is always not what you do, but how much do you charge? <laughs> exactly. You know, talk a little bit about, you know, we have a lot of listenership from agents out there here in New York City and actually around the country uh, and also consumers out there. Tell us a little bit, again, from your perspective, the difference between, you know, the business side of a transaction and then the legal side sure. of the transaction and who really is responsible for both, because it does make a difference and it does help all parties involved Absolutely. when everybody plays the right role. Right. I, well, I think I think for me personally, I, I, I can't help but sit in a business role as well. Because at the end of the day, I consider myself a business person and I'm in the, I'm in the business of getting deals done. So I, while I think that there are definitely lawyers out there that stand very much on the legal line of it, I find myself, I find myself being asked both sides so frequently, the legal side, but also, well, let's get into the business of it. And I think in part it is, I do have, I have a vast background on just New York City agencies, starting from, as you, as you had mentioned, having the landlord-tenant practice. And I, I'm on the landlord side of things where I represent the owners and the management companies, which really gave me a strong foundation in order to bust into the whole transactional part of the business. Uh, so in that regard, it's imp it's almost impossible for me personally to ever just look at it from the legal side because I am looking at it from the business side. You know, take for example, while a basement can't have a bedroom, you can't have a bedroom in the basement, right? Right. right. Uh, you can't have a three fixture bathroom in the basement. I don't know if everyone's aware of that, but you cannot. Right. You can't legally do it. Right. At the same token, I have a client that's coming to me and they're looking at this. Just say, for example, a single family. And we know that there's a three fixture. We know that maybe it was marketed as being bedroom bedrooms downstairs. And, and the third fixture, by the way, for people who don't know out there, is a, is a shower or a bathtub. It's a Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, in, in that in that regard, now here they have this property that they really want, but yet it's not legally set up. And so, from the legal side of it, well, should they be buying it? Well, I look at it that these are bonuses. 
You know, who doesn't want the extra bedroom? Who doesn't want the extra bathroom? Exactly. So in that regard, I consider myself, I think the business part of it is huge. And I think that I think that it behooves any any real estate agent or buyer or seller, and I'm not saying that it needs to be me, but they should be hiring somebody that could, well, <laughs> <Maybe>. that's true, <laughs> but they should be hiring somebody that could kind of, ha- could dance that fine line, because when they don't, that's where you get into the deal killer versus the deal maker. All right, we have to leave it there and come back after a break. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back. We're talking to Jamie Heiberger, who is an attorney here uh, in New York City for all, all things real estate, Heiberger and Associates. Jamie, talk to us a little bit about exclusions and inclusions, which, you know, we talk a lot about this on the program. I've pulled my hair out multiple times, even though it's sitting high today, because <laughs> it's looking great. these yeah. things can totally, you know, the higher to God, <laughs> the higher the hair, the closer to God. <laughs> What's the word for clamped? I mean, we can totally get out of control with these things. So what a, why the importance on inclusions and exclusions? Well, the um, I, for me, the biggest one is really when somebody, let's just say you're on the listing side of the deal. Showing the place, and there's beautiful chandeliers and lighting there. The biggest mistake I see made is when brokers don't put onto the deal sheet that the lighting and chandeliers are deal not included. Deal sheet brokers, deal sheets. And and the last thing that we want to do is give away Aunt Mary's, you know, heirloom chandelier. So what I've done to kind of avoid that on my side of it, at least is on the sales side of the deal, I I have automatically in my contracts scratch line right through chandelier and right through lighting. And this way, when if it's not if it's supposed to be included, right. somebody's bringing it up. This way, I take out of the equation any possibility that somebody on my team could be the one to be giving it away inadvertently. That's pretty smart because we've all been in situations where, I mean, I bought chandeliers because of the drama, whatever. I mean, not, you know, thousands right. of dollars, but something to put in place of whatever. Simply because it was not on the deal sheet. No one decided to talk about it up front. You know, it went sideways as, as lots of things can go. But I always emphasize that here on the show, regardless of what we're talking about, because when you're doing due diligence, which is my next question to you. These are very important questions that come up. So tell us about the value of uh, due diligence, why it's important, and really what's involved in that. Prior to, prior to the contract actually being signed, everybody yep. thinks, oh, well, I have a deal, I have an accepted offer, you know, I'm going to start counting my commissions. Uh-uh, wrong. Due diligence, the importance of that. The most, Im- the most important piece of any real estate transaction is definitely the due diligence 
what what my what we do, which I'm fairly confident nobody else does do it, but and it's uh, it is definitely a little bit cost prohibitive, but nonetheless we do it, which is provide written due diligence reports on every single buy side transaction. So for us. What my, what my team does before it even comes to me is there's a checklist sheet. The checklist also goes to the clients. I mean, the brokers get it as well. So brokers, buy, buyers, they'll get it. And it just lists, identifies all of the different documents that we've looked at to produce the report itself. So it, it's not just that. It's also checking the city records. So we're doing the, our full search of ECB, DOB, HPD. Vitally important. Certificate of, of occupancy. If not i-cards then we're going to go and we're going to order the i-cards from the department of buildings making sure that we know what the use is in case it was pre us co's 1939 uh and provide a complete written report which covers everything from the rights and responsibilities of the unit owner in the building what the last as many as we can get three to five increases in maintenance uh have been whether there's an assessment if there is an assessment what it's for when it started when it finished uh, obtaining the board, the purchase application, making sure we have all of the closing costs. We identify all of the closing costs in the due diligence report itself, a copy of the floor plan, just so that we know. Oftentimes, everybody always goes by Street Easy. Street Easy's floor plan is only the floor plan, the way the unit looks today. It's not going to give you what the unit looked like when the developer first built the, you know, built or converted. And so it's really important for the client to look at these things ju- just for transparency to understand what we have here. You know, is there litigation in the building? Uh, what's the reserves? Any upcoming work? When's the last time the <coughs> boiler, the roof has been changed? So we, we look at all of that and produce a written report for our clients. And is, is your due diligence uh, analysis different, whether it's new development or resale? It is. Or it is. Okay. It is, absolutely. Because I think that's important. It is, it is. It's a great question because on the new development side, you're really, all you're working with is your offering plan. And in the offering plan, what I always recommend to brokers all the time on the new development, or even, even if it's not, but new development particularly, right away we take about 15 sections from the offering plan Depending upon the deal, I'll I'll say to a broker, listen, you should really put these in your back pocket. Like you, you're you're going to want this information, but either way, it gets sent to the broker later on and the client with the checklist. And the differences that you really are looking at on the new development side is well, what's in the special risk section? That's our biggest one. That's like that's that's special always number one. Special risk is imperative to look at first and foremost. Always, always, always. And, and you know, I think I think people get intimidated. <clears throat> by these, by the sheer size of a an offering plan, when the reality is, I highly recommend go on the table of contents, take these ten items, copy them, look, schedule A, schedule B, uh, schedule A. You're going to have your prices, your taxes, your abated taxes, your unabated taxes if there's a tax abatement on it, your square footage. Uh, schedule B. You're going to have your first year's budget right there. Right. <clears throat> and, and also keeping in mind, the amendments are very important. You know, if you're if you're going, going to go and list on a condominium and you're going to put the square footage, you better be sure that there's not an amendment that changed the square footage. Correct. Every time I start a new development, the first thing I go to in the offering plan is the special risk section because out of that section or off that section, you have a lot of information Tons. and it forms all the kind of questions that you necessarily need to answer. I mean, ask rather of the developer. All right, we're going to be, have more with Jamie in a minute. Let's talk about board packages. James Bruni's passion for real estate dates back to the days when he spent time with his parents on weekends, uh, weekend projects, refurbishing uh, single family homes. Uh, he bought his first house when he was in his early 20s and in 2012 turned his passion into a reward, rewarding career. With nearly $13 million in transactions in 2012 alone, he was named D- Douglas Elliman's Rookie of the Year. He also founded Board Packager, what we're going to talk about today. It is transforming an inherently nuanced and inefficient process into an easy, fluid way for brokers, applicants, property management, and boards of buildings to process property transfers. So, James, I mean, it's like, you know, I'm in this business 17 years, which they're all sick of hearing me say every year, every week, but... If you did this 17 years ago, I wouldn't look like this today. <laughs> end of the day. End of the day. <laughs> end it's of all the, sinking in. Uh, the hair would be shorter. The hair, was, <laughs> the hair would be out. It would be, <laughs> look, by the way, you know, when I, when I was reading, you know, your the intro before, and it said that you were standing over a 500-page board package. I mean, we've all done board packages. Done that. That's intimidating. So 4,000 pages later, you come up with this idea. How, tell us about this, you know, your passion to get 
that kind of copying work behind you and into something that's well, efficient. Yeah, it was. It, what's missing in that story is that I had two copiers going, and uh, the first copier broke after about twenty minutes, and yeah, then the do. second one they, they jam. uh, jammed and broke after another fifteen. So that package was due the very next day. Uh, I had to get it in, and so I went across the street to the Staples uh, and spent about six hundred dollars finishing it. Six hundred dollars. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, because did they pass the be, board? They did pass. Uh, they did pass the board. <laughs> Million so. dollar question: Did they at least Absolutely. pass the board? Right? They did. Um, but you know, while I was having that experience, which we all had, um, you know, I, I wanted to do something that that corrected that, or or at least made it uh, more transparent and, and easier, uh, in digital, versus just the the finiteness of paper having to collate and do all of these different things. But I, I want to piggyback on the diligence aspect that you were speaking with Jamie uh, about earlier, because I, I often thought that, that starting uh, the process was if you're working with a buyer, or perhaps a tenant in some instances, but uh, you, you need to know certain things about that building. Your, your buyer uh, must be comfortable with the building itself of course, the unit, but the building itself. And so being able to understand, I often found it difficult even finding out uh, who the management company was and is, finding that appropriate person within the management company uh, and being able to get diligence like financial statements. Because oftentimes our clients ask us, how, how are the financials in the building? And you want as a broker to be able to answer that because mm -hmm. that is paramount to their decision. Um, and so what I wanted to do and what we've done with Board Packager, um, we're, about, uh, we're a little over 1,400 buildings, 120,000 units in New York City growing. Um, but we've, we've taken uh, all of these uh, buildings in our property management uh, clients' portfolios, and we built web pages for each. So if you were to go to boardpackager.com and type in an address, if the building's in our system, then a web page would load. You would see information about... Uh, who the property management company is, who the contacts are, transfer agent, account executive, what have you. Then you'd see uh, all of the fees, who pays what, when it's due, and then you'd have all of the documentation there as well. So you have offering plans, amendments, financial statements, policies, and what is really important are the policies, right? Because policies change, and uh, having that most up-to-date information is critical. Uh, I know that just... Anecdotally, I had a client that was looking in a building and it was uh, a 75% uh, loan to value max, right? Uh, which meant 25% down. This particular client uh, only had about 20%. Well, it turns out I called the management company, finally got to the right person, and lo and behold, they had changed that policy, right? But it wasn't in ha the ether. It happens anywhere. all the time. It happens all the time. So that meant that that apartment was a viable option for the buyer. Let me ask you something, James. So so we all know how antiquated this, this business can be and remains, actually, after all of these years that a lot of us are running around in it. How easy was it for you to convince the the buildings or the management agents to kind of get away from their paperwork or the delivery of, you know, volumes of paper and accept stuff electronically. Because I remember, you know, years back and asking them to just send you an email with a with a questionnaire was like asking for, you know, whatever. Right. Difficult. How hard was that for uh, you guys to get them to understand how important it was? Well, change management is difficult, period. Period. So when you are introducing a new technology, especially when it, it makes... Uh, things more transparent, right, is a challenge. And the, the issue is that uh, you know, things had been done in a certain way for decades. And management companies realized that, and, and brokerages, management companies especially realized that they needed to get into the digital age. And Board Packager was a, is a platform that enables them to do that. So uh, initially, it, uh, 
getting the the feedback and and onboarding these property management companies, uh, they're very excited about that prospect, right? And we are actually helping them uh, in, enable cleaning up their data, building out all their applications in HTML, tying all the payments to uh, to those applications. So not only do we just a, a property management's general operating account, but each building has a sub-account. So that when payments are made, when an application is submitted, the the money is uh, routed appropriately. All so, right, more on maybe eating absolutely exciting and incredible technology, boardpackager.com. More on that uh, a little later. We are live from Blast Off Productions here in New York. We have to take a break. We will come back on the other side of the break. Don't go away. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back. Jamie Heiberger is here. Uh, James Bruni from Douglas Elliman is here. And now the panel is also with us, Elise Ehrlich from Halstead, Niall Lundgren from Compass, Jordan Shea from Douglas Elliman. Tracy Hammersley is back from a little bit of a, a, a time off in, in the wonderful, sunny South Florida region. I hate me because I'm tan. We're jealous. You look fabulous. <laughs> she is from Douglas Elliman. And Matthew Cohen, of course, uh, is here from CORE. So anyway, seriously, we've missed you, Tracy. So nice to I have too. you back Thank again. Thank you for having me back. But she's leaving again for, what, three more weeks? Just a few more weeks, yeah. Whatever. Okay, just keep thinking about us. All right, let, moving on. If you if you went to your co-op board, now this is important, okay? If you went to your co-op board interview and were really turned off by the board at your interview, uh, and now you no longer want to live in the building and are hoping they don't approve you, but if they do, how can you get out of the deal and get your deposit back? Unfortunately, if the board does approve you, it will be very difficult uh, to get out of the deal unscathed. Uh, getting to the uh, co-op board interview typically means you've reached the last stage of the application process and meeting uh, itself is just a formality. At this point, you've already submitted an application package that details your finances. As I say, you've undressed yourself in front of the board uh, and um, undergone a background check and have been approved for a mortgage. All the work that's been done to the point you get to the interview and you decide, these shareholders who are interviewing me are a bunch of putzes. I'm not going to be comfortable living in this building. What do you do? Unfortunately, there's not a lot you can do legally. And I'll defer to Jamie on this, but unfortunately, you might, you're going to probably have to purchase and sell. I also, I mean, I've had this a couple times with people, and I used to be on my board. Like, board members suck usually. I, I also am not that great. So, like, I, I always tell people, <laughs> depending, on, like, depending on the size of the hilarious. <laughs> I can only imagine, Maddie. <laughs> I, uh, I can only imagine. I bet you served your board very well. <laughs> I was great in an interview. Um, but, but deny. I always deny, say, deny. <laughs> depending on the size of the building, you might never talk to those board members again until you sell. Like, you might never even run into them again. So, don't let that you know, defer you from the the way the building. I have be. to say, I that's actually a very, that's a very valid point and a very good point. It really actually, is. I'm um, sorry, I, and and I did have a buyer that 
when it looked like there's a chance he was going to need to get out of it because of financing concerns, um, he kind of casually, but not kidding, suggested bomb. he would get, yes, he would, he would get drunk and bomb the interview yeah. um, and just show up and be completely abhorrent. So there's, they had no choice but to reject him. He did not have to go through with that plan, but that, that is the off, the off books, I, the, bla- I've, the, the I've deep. Jamie, what do you think option. about that? You know, the risk that somebody takes doing that is that they're going to lose the deposit Correct. because going into a board interview being sh- Oh, excuse me. Trying to tank the bo- the board interview, whatever way you do, whether sober or not. Exactly. <laughs> I like shit face better. But <laughs> From our host. Woo. Go ahead. Uh, no, so you just have to be really careful about that. It's I've I've had clients in the same exact situation. I definitely agree that you don't. It's not the it's not the end all be all. You can be as involved or as uninvolved as you want to be in your building. Correct. But I think the, the stigma of having, you know, and this, again, is a, is a mindset, I think, so the stigma of having, you know, the board kind of always lurking over, you know, you as you live in a building, even as Matthew said, you don't need to see them. You probably won't see them again until you sell, maybe. But if you want to renovate, you know, if there are other issues in the building, if you join a committee, whatever, they're still going to be there. So what I always say to people, you know, when they decide they want to buy a co-op understand what you're buying into just understand set your expectation correctly because it's not fee simple ownership you're not owning a house you don't own a condominium you're owning a co-op and you're sharing okay your uh your residence and and you're building everything with everybody else in the building that's just the way it is and these days even understand when you're buying into a condo because so many condos are tightening up. And to Jamie will answer, I'm sure, look at what the condo is like when you're doing the due diligence. Although I I will say, you know, the board is not a paid position. It's a volunteer position. They're mostly there. It it varies from building to building, but they're working hard. This is volunteer and their time. Befriend the board. It's a nice thing to do. They're working for you. And if you are friends with them and can have their ear, that will only help when you're doing renovations. If you're a broker in a building and looking to get buyers approved, and if you are looking to hear to about your neighbors, abs- be kind that's to your neighbors. that's the the right maxim for uh, every time. But really appreciate your board members. I think that will serve you well. I would also add that boards change. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Indeed. Um, get on people, the board. That's exactly what I say to my clients. Get on you the don't board. like what you see? Get no, on the board. Get on the board. Clearly. All right. Buying an apartment in a walk-up building is uh, cheaper than an elevator building or a doorman building, but will climbing a few flights of stairs each day be worth it? Uh, if you have been considering buying a place in a walk-up building and you mention it to friends, everyone will look at you and say, what are you thinking about? Are you crazy? You're going to get old. You're going to this. What about a pet? Etc." While some aspects are definitely personal, there are some significant benefits. For starters, you'll save big time, generally. Uh, according to reports, you could net 25% more apartment in size uh, than you'd be getting in an elevator or a doorman building. That third floor 1,000 square foot unit with uh, no view is cheaper than in an elevator b- uh, building with a wonderful view. Obviously, the physical exertion such as lugging groceries or strollers up and down, you know, wheeler bags when you're traveling up and down stairs could be a nightmare. If you have an injury, the stairs become a problem. Older people... Visiting pets, older pets, uh, not going to happen uh, easily. What is your opinion when people come to you and say, you know, I'm kind of flexible. I don't mind a walk up. I like the price. I don't really care about a view, et cetera, et cetera. What, what's the overall feeling when people say they want to or they are okay with buying in a walk-up building? Um, I, I mean, New York City real estate is obviously so different than anywhere else in the country or the world. But I always actually find it really interesting what people get used to in different neighborhoods. You know, so so for example, in Brooklyn, you have a lot of new developments that are five or six unit you know buildings, and they're walk ups, and they're right. filled with families, and they're not. You know what I mean? And people don't care about it because it's what they're used to in these neighborhoods. But you know, just like downtown, the West Village or Chelsea, I love when clients, you know, will talk about when they're starting their search. And I'll say, you know, do you mind if it's a walk up? Like, how do you feel about walk ups? And they'll always say, I'm fine up to the third floor. Like, that's my favorite. <laughs> I had that last on Friday. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I'm fine say, up to the second somebody said the floor. Somebody said the same thing. <laughs> for me. I don't but there is a trend people are, are finding now that, especially some of the younger people that I deal with, they're okay with walking up even four or five they flights. They want the right? exercise. The, extra, yeah, better, the exercise. Better, better light, like better views Apple, often. the iPhone, it gives you the heart monitor and yeah, people want to hit steps. that 10,000 steps. <laughs> right. I've seen that. It well, happens. The pri- privacy. 
there are people out there that want the privacy. They don't want the doorman. They don't want it. Absolutely. Right. Everybody it, in your it, business. It really comes down <laughs> right. to privacy. True. Lisa and I were chatting about this offline. And, you know, at the end of the day, how many lofts in Soho and Tribeca are walk-ups, right? And you're paying three, four, five billion dollars for these things. A majority of them. Some of them have elevators. Some of them don't. But it's a, it, it, it's a personal living style thing, you know. So if you want it, you can. It's a privacy thing. It's a whole bunch of things. Uh, and it kind of trends, you know, in and out. A recent survey of New York City renters finds 66% plan to continue renting, then to buy their next apartment, and nearly one in five think that buying isn't a smart move these days. Why? Five. That's a real stat. Wow. One in five. Real stat. Uh, one in five. I think that shows confidence in the economy. I think it shows confidence in our government. I think it shows a lot. Um, I think it shows, you know, confidence also um obviously the other, the last two were not confident i'm being facetious i think the, in all seriousness it does show confidence in you know the economy to be cyclical i think people are really getting to that point where they're really feeling like how much more so i, I think you know there are a lot of really smart buyers out there that are that are taking advantage of the market and taking advantage of interest rates uh, still being low and and negotiating what they can and whatnot and trying to get you know before the curve, but I think there's still a lot of people on the sidelines waiting to see what'll happen if it'll happen more. Um, I know my myself included, like I, I sold my apartment a few months ago and I decided to run for a year and I'm now weighing my options with like six months to go in my lease. And uh, I mean, I am a huge buying fan, so I'm, you know, on that side more, but I think it's a big topic. Well, Maddie, that's interesting that you're saying that as a broker, are you guys seeing more than ever this year? I've seen brokers come to my listings looking for themselves. It's like the brokers are coming. Maybe we're not at the bottom yet, but it's kind of people are sniffing. We might be close. 100%. And maybe well, what seeing- of our what do our clients always say to us? At least they've always said to me through the years, brokers know when to buy. Exactly. Right. So that's and a very interesting. Time, it is to definitely that. the time yeah. to buy. It's and the time. We know to you're going to buy next, Matt. <laughs> so consumers out there who are listening to us around the world, if brokers here in New York City are purchasing, that means you're going to miss the boat. So you Plus, you also up. have to think about New York being a renter's city, right? It is 67%. 67, 70% of the total 67%. housing yeah. stock right. is rental versus to buy. And then if you said one in five, so that's 20% of that number, that's actually a high number. So I think what Maddie said with having confidence is actually not facetious. Like I actually find that being like there is confidence in the market and people do want to buy. Absolutely. All right, there's an excess of shiny new buildings going up around New York City. For people interested in buying an apartment in one of those buildings, particularly shoppers who want first dibs on what's available, lots of people love living for the first time in an apartment in a new development. I mean, it is what it is. That means signing a contract for an apartment that doesn't actually exist yet. Okay, the apartment hasn't been finished, it's not built yet, or maybe it does, depending on the market. Prospective buyers have to rely on a variety of marketing materials and sales agents help them understand what exactly their future home will look like when construction is completed. Oh, boy. Uh, resources include a development's website, a showroom, a sales gallery, and later in the process, a furnished model apartment. It's all very seductive. Okay, you go, you get wowed, you get, you know, whatever. Zoom, look at this. It's wonderful. The drone views are very, very key. The drone views are key. I did key. not have the that when I bought my first new construction. fabulous. I mean, they're all the same, in my opinion. But how, uh, as a shopper, can you separate marketing gloss Okay, marketing gloss from the product you are buying and more and move rather into that apartment and make it look and feel like it's yours and you made the right decision or did you not? I, I, I think it really depends. Actually, I'm sure Jordan has a lot to say about this too, but you know, new development is interesting in terms of this because it, it the market definitely shows Um you know, in a really good market, a lot of developers will will start sales very early and, you know, sell off plan. Whereas I think in a market that we're in now, you're seeing a lot more developers try to finish as much of the projects as possible. You know, we find that in this kind of market, buyers really want to see what they're getting. They don't have as much of that trust. Oh, yeah. I don't think I don't think like 111 Murray. I mean, how long was that out there for three years? I don't think that you can do a building like that again. I, you know, where you're, where you're doing or 32 so park. I mean, you know, right. a lot right. of these buildings, yep. you know, in the day, back in the day, you know, when I always say when new development really started in this town, you know, uh, buying off of floor plans was, was a novelty. And people were so yeah. It was commonplace. Yeah. Was I mean, the good, old, the good old days are gone. We're not selling <laughs> out of the trunks of our cars anymore. I mean, we <laughs> literally, we were doing really? this. We did a lot in Tribeca, but you know, the thing is, you know, now we have to have finished apartments. 
Like we're literally, we wait until the building is done. They have and to smell the air in the everything. You have to see the finished quality. People don't trust us anymore. And so they want to see the completed But product. it is also you used to get a discount for having that trust and that faith. That's I bought true. new construction off a of plan first in June of 2007, and we didn't close until the beginning of 2009. Exactly. And thankfully, Ooh. it's appreciated significantly. Um, but, you know, I had to go into the look at a, an apartment in the building next door that was on an approximate floor to try to guess what my view was going to be because this yeah. was pre-drone. On a wing and a prayer, yeah. right? That's what and it, it worked was. out okay, but it doesn't always. <laughs> All right, we have to leave it there. We'll take a break. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are coming back, so don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their product. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back. Segment four, our last segment for the day, for the morning. I wanted to ask James Bruni one other question with regard to board package. By the way... You can find it at boardpackager.com. You can certainly ask your brokerage house if they don't have it already to please be in touch with James so they can get out there and get it. It is really, I mean, we use it at Halstead, and I know you use it at Douglas Elliman. It is a game changer. Tracy, it is I can't even believe that this never yeah. existed before. It's, it's absolutely amazing. So, Thank you. Uh, so tell, us, tell us, you know, for companies right now who don't have it, how the agents out there can, you know, kind of go talk to their superiors and say, hey, we need this. Need I this. hear it's all over the place. How do we do this? Everybody's sure. using it. Uh, right. Everybody's using <laughs> it. The, the distinction is that you can use Board Packager to create an electronic version of any application Correct. out there. So brokers, uh, instead of using the resources that brokerages provide in the sense of copiers and toners and tabs and couriers and FedExes and all of these other things, brokerages can be saving an incredible amount of money digitally versus paper-based. And, and I would say that uh, brokers that are not part of the uh, client base that we have, the brokerage client base, they can still access the system. Uh, they pay a separate charge, right? Whereas the brokerages who are... Um, or enterprise clients uh, pay that cost on behalf of, of their agents. What has held brokerages back 
so far to date from engaging in a in a, a digitally you know improved you know package that helps all their agents and and, and saves money. Why are they hesitating? Change management. Change management. <laughs> uh, no, it's so some are just ahead of the curve. Ahead of the curve. Okay. Exactly. And. All right, it's at Argo, it's at Douglas Elliman, it's at Halstead, I'm probably going to miss some. It's at uh, Core, and it's at Stribling. So uh, if I miss any... We just launched Greenthal last week. Greenthal, Charles Greenthal. 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 Boy, are they antiquated. (laughs) Oh, dear. uh, We're we're very proud of all of our property management and brokerage. They want... How many buildings now, Sorry, right, we're many a little over 1,400 buildings, 120,000 units, and we have a little over 4,000 brokers that are part of our system. Great. James Bruni, Douglas Elliman, boardpackager.com, be in touch. All right, Jamie, brokers should not give legal advice. I mean, this is a biggie. <laughs> brokers. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop, end of topic. <laughs> brokers espousing legal theories can actually ruin a deal versus helping it. You know, you always sit over, over a cocktail with a client. Well, you know, I wouldn't do this, and here's the reason why. You know, and next thing you know it, you're in big trouble. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's that very fine line. Look, all of my business comes from brokers. So right. on the one on the one hand, you know, so my my goal is let's just I'll just educate. My goal is I'll say, listen, just have them call me. If it's wrong, better to come from me than from you. Uh, and I think you know the biggest thing where I I do think that comes into play more so than anything is the pressure that brokers sometimes put on a deal to get the deal done before it's ready to be done. And in that regard, you're it's it's a mistake for everybody, not just for the lawyer. It's a mistake right. for the broker as well. Right. And. How often do you get caught up in having to clean that up, though? Because I can see, you know, brokers kind of flap their gums sometimes and they have no clue a what lot. they're saying. And I can only just imagine what must go on. A lot. Almost every deal. I mean, and it's not necessarily, there's not almost. an intent. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Thanks. No, 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 no. Thanks. No, 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 no. I didn't not. expect that answer, but that's okay. No, I don't mean wow. that somebody's messing up the deal. I mean that there's been some form of information on right. some side of the transaction that wasn't exactly accurate. Got it. Innocuous. Maybe, but something, whether it's whether it's uh, the listing hasn't been updated to the current maintenance, whether it's oh, the, definitely who's paying the who's paying the transfer fee or the flip tax. Definitely. Uh, the way that they listed it is a two bedroom, but it's really a junior four. Uh, <laughs> the way uh, that they listed as a bedroom in the basement, you know. Square footage. The, the integrity of listings sometimes is beyond, and I see that all the time. And I know junior fours. I've sold junior fours. And when I see people and I look at the floor plan, I say, two-bedroom, really? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, so there are minor things that we, could, that we could gloss over. But at the same token, by having your facts straight, it's so important. And, and I think that that's the biggest mistake people make is not having all your information before you list, not having everything before you sign. Do your homework. Right. Do your homework. Biggest. It's not that hard. This and, uh, is not rocket science. And also, I think that it, the market that we were in 2015 to 2017 made a lot of brokers change the efficiency that they do these things, like going from an accepted offer to getting a contract signed. You know, in 2016, everyone was in a rush. There were bidding wars and like you had to do it fast. You didn't have to be so careful. Now, transactional percentages are down. So it's time is actually a good thing. Like I would rather a buyer take two weeks. I mean, this sounds crazy, but like, I'd rather them take two weeks if I'm representing a seller and know that they're super comfortable when they're signing that contract and nothing's going wrong in that yep. deal. Absolutely. Like, take the time. The old saw time kills all deals is no longer true. Right. I'm okay right. with that. Sometimes things... Isn't that something how that's changed, yes. right? Because time is not killing deals these days. In fact, it's probably enhancing them. Correct. And I, and I would agree with that. All right, let's, uh, moving on. Stop texting. This is not going to be a famous one here. Stop texting. FaceTime is better and more personal for clients. Pick up the phone. Comments. I think this is huge in the industry. Not in, I mean, just in life in general. A lot of people try and use text messages or emails um, because it's easy and you don't have to have a, a personal interaction um, when in fact it's actually the most critical part. Tone doesn't come across in text. Tone doesn't come across in email and you really have to but pick up. Really and no. I think it's also very generational. Um, the millennials do not like to talk on the phone. Uh, they pe- don't. People over 40 still want to communicate on the phone. This is a major transaction, probably the biggest one you've making in your life. And I think it's so important for you to connect with your client on a phone to discuss or meet them. Texting is not appropriate in my in my generation. When you go, when I get a text message that's an offer, you know, and then I ignore it purposely, right, and then the broker says, 
you're, you're not answering my text. I said, excuse me, I'm not going to. Was there a Rebney offer form attached in that text? Come <laughs> on. Really? That's so casual. That's unacceptable. And they say, well, what do you mean you're not going to answer? It's an offer. Blah, 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 blah. I said, excuse me, you will send me an message. email <laughs> and all the supporting documentation. And it could start with a phone call. You know, I'm not even going to address that in text. Are you kidding me? So for you. I am a millennial who really likes to talk on the phone. I will say that, but <laughs> good for you. But, still but, you. are unusual. We all say that every week. No, the, the word is special. He's special. Special. There you go. But I will say there. I, I do like a combination because, first of all, I have convert you know phone calls with clients for hour to two hours sometimes. And a lot is said in those calls. And I always tell them, you're probably going to forget some of this and you're going to ask me it again, which is fine. One of the things I actually like about sometimes putting it over text is that they they can both refer to it and I can refer back to it. You know, not to like throw it in their face, but I like to say, you know, I I told you this yesterday. (laughs) So don't get on my case about it. You know what I mean? So I think there's a happy balance. But I think you can also always qualify. After a conversation, you can send them an email or a text and follow up with with the bullet points and recap. But I think it's so important for you to have that human contact versus texting with your clients. And I don't care how old they are. It, I mean, this is a major, major purchase. This and, is a human business. I, I won't accept anything via a text. I won't expect an offer. I want, I don't oh, want. Oh, an it. offer, definitely not. You want to, you want to text me about a, an appointment or something, you fine. know, you know, fine, whatever. Fine. But, uh, but when it comes down to serious, um, you know, negotiations or whatever. Uh, I think beats a phone call. You need the dialogue. You need to hear if they're picking up what you're putting down. There's so many subtleties you don't get. If they're listening to what you're saying, because as Niall said before, text really has no tone. I mean, you don't really know what the hell, you know, somebody means uh, by I'm getting the 30 second uh, warning. So we got to go. Anyway, that's our broadcast for this morning. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to Jamie Heiberger. Thank you to James Bruni. Boardpackager.com. Hi, Burger and Associates. Please give them a call. Shoot for the moon, everyone. Even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. I didn't remember. And the only person you should try to be better than is the person you were yesterday. Jordan, I'm going to kill you. Be kind to one another. For all of us at Voice America, all around the world, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.